Hello everyone, here is Daniel Budai with another episode of our Ecom show and uh, today we will talk about video marketing. This topic is a recurring topic in our podcast and the last time when we talked about it was episode 68 when I talked to the CEO of Harmon Brothers, Benton Crane. And today I will talk with uh, Josh Henry from uh, Lamp House Films. How are you? I'm doing great. Coming off of a busy first half of the week, so it's nice to be sitting here and chatting with you. I'm looking forward to it. This show is sponsored by Budai Media. Budai Media is a fully remote e-commerce focused retention marketing agency. In the last three years, Budai Media worked with more than 100 e-commerce clients and generated an eight-figure extra revenue for these clients. If you want to check out their website, go to thebudaimedia.com and just send an email or actually you can just drop a message to me on any of my social media channels if you are interested to work with us. Where are you located? We're in Lancaster, Pennsylvania, relatively small town that we just love. It's it's a small town, so it has that like nice small town feel, but we're also like within arm's reach of like all of the major cities on the East Coast. So three-hour train ride from New York, hour and a half from Philly, a couple hours from Pittsburgh, Baltimore, D.C. So it's surprisingly great place to make films because we have access to a lot of talent around here. Yeah, it's very interesting that I know actually quite uh, quite many uh, agencies, good agencies in Pennsylvania or, or mm-hmm. I think Tennessee is nearby as well. States which are, you know, not Chicago or not New York, not Philadelphia, but mm-hmm. relatively close to those places. And uh, yeah, there are many, many agencies there, really good agencies. Have you never wanted to move to a bigger city or what's your thought on that? I don't know. I think about it every once in a while. Just, I mean, mostly because it being in a bigger city just brings some like street cred to your company for some reason. We've been in a few like bidding wars on jobs where they're like, oh, all the other, all the other film production companies are in New York. And I'm like, so like, what does that have to do with their capabilities? But I do understand film is a gig economy and they're it's you know you're only as good as the filmmakers that surround you and so i do certainly understand that element of it but you know it's like three hours on a train if we need a specialist from new york like we can get them here and and there's just a shocking amount of talent here in lancaster and like the surrounding counties that you know i don't know i i don't i don't see us i certainly don't see us moving i i really like it here yeah, yeah, I'm glad to hear it. And uh, I think Russell Branson said that he's in Idaho, I think, Boas, the capital of Idaho, I think. Okay. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I know what, you, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, he, a great film is being made in small in small cities. Like Shyamalan yeah. is like right down the street. Not literally, but he's yeah. making all his movies right around here. There. You know, he's doing all right. And actually, it's good because you have less distraction and also your talent. They are not attracted by big tech companies or big marketing firms. So... That is an advantage there too. Yeah, yeah. There's something, something to that. Please tell us your uh, personal story in a nutshell. Uh, how did you end up in the in the video marketing world? I don't have the story that a lot of my filmmaker friends do. You know, I feel like the story is often like I grew up loving movies and I like I went and saw Jurassic Park and my life was changed forever. That's not my story. I didn't really grow up on a ton of movies, but I did grow up just loving to tell stories to people. The the um the first instance that I remember is I was in elementary school and I was riding my bike down a hill and I fell and I scraped my knee. And I'm sure it was very, very minor injury. But I remember the next day telling and retelling the story of me falling on my bike like 10 times or more. And 
realizing where I would get reactions and finessing the way that I like controlled the narrative to make it like, like more surprising or more funny. And I was just like addicted to the adrenaline of like telling people stories and capturing their imagination. And so I just, you know, was always sort of like that kid who was like trying to like make people laugh or whatever. And slowly in high school, I just sort of found film as like the medium that I could do this most effectively through. I thought I wanted to be like a YouTube star. Like that was like my goal. I was like, who needs Hollywood movies? Like I want to be like, do you remember Julian Smith? He was like a YouTube, Julian Smith. He was like a YouTube star. Like, I don't know when I was in high school and I was just obsessed. I'm like, I want to do that. I want to do YouTube. Mm -hmm. And so I had a, I had a time where I was like doing like a weekly YouTube show and I was like making like sketch comedy and I learned everything that I know about film, like through trying to crank out like comedy sketches once a week. And then that just sort of evolved to met Michael Schmucker, who's the other executive producer here at Lamphouse Films. He was like doing commercial work and was like getting paid to do it. And I was like, whoa. And so we partnered up eight years ago and just been doing it ever since learning a lot about uh, the industry and how to make films, you know, as we go. What is the current focus of the company? Currently, it's um, commercial work. And we do, we've done two features. We're working on a third documentary feature right now. And that is sort of like on the horizon. That's something that we're continuing to develop. But right now, our focus is is primarily in commercial work. And uh, I also know that you do different kinds of commercial work. So TV spots, social media, cultural videos, which is probably less uh, promotional. So it's more about the culture of the company. Yeah, Uh, yeah. Mm -hmm. Especially now, there's just like a lot of companies that, you know, over the past two years have just like, gone through like a weird level of growth or like weird level of like having a hard time retaining employees or finding new employees so a lot of people are turning to like films to explain the internal like company culture so we've been doing like more and more of that you mean the cultural videos right yeah Mm -hmm. yeah Mm -hmm. and what's the approach there how is it different what's what's usually the goal of those videos yeah i think the way that it's different is the way that it's the same and it's like we're always big on like know who you're talking to and know your audience and i always think like just imagine yourself in the room while they're watching this and are you going to be like cringing at this part or not because in a commercial you know you can sort of like go big and do like some really fun crazy things and when your audience is you know an employee who works at the company or somebody who like has a vested interest in the company you just have to talk to them a little bit different i think bj novak talks about it's always good to like read your script out loud and notice which parts you hate saying and i think that 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 can apply to the scripting phase but also like as you're cutting it together as you're like putting in music it's like oh if i was there like okay so we did a we did like a company culture piece for armstrong flooring it's a lancaster company it's a big it's like a a, you know it's a global company but they're headquartered here in lancaster we're proud of them and it's like okay if i this is cool i love this film this is a lot of fun but if i worked for armstrong am i rolling my eyes while i'm watching this and it's like that's a question that you don't you know you ask yourself when you're doing commercials but not in the same way because it's like these people have really intimate knowledge and so you can't sort of like you know you can't stretch the truth at all they're like no that is not what my experience has been like this video is stupid and so i think but I do think that's a good exercise at all times to like imagine what your audience is doing. But when you're doing internal stuff, I think it's a lot more, you know, it's a lot more important and you and it gets like a little bit more scrutiny. How about TV spots? So what was the place of, of TV in uh, 2022? They say it's, you know, it's already dead. Others, they say 
it's still a great investment. So, you know, different people say different things. But yeah, I, I, we have different clients that handle it different ways. I um, am not, we don't do any media buying. So I don't have like super intimate knowledge of like, oh, when to go to TV, when to, when not to go yeah. to TV. The thing that I've noticed is like, if you're going to go to TV, you got it really only makes sense if you're trying to spend a ton of money and you are painting with a much, much broader brush. And so our, our clients, because we have, I, I would say our clients who have the most success with their ads, the biggest ROI on their ads are people who are running them on TV. But there are people who are running them on TV with millions of dollars, not hundreds of thousands or tens of thousands. The saturation is a little different. I would I would say for most people, the amount the ROI you're going to get is going to be much better online. And the ability to track it is just much better online, which I know I like and, and most marketers like. And most of the things that we're creating are created for both places. So almost every time we're making a TV spot, we're also making uh, what we call like flywheel deliverables that are designed for social. And we're just really big on that is not the same ad. The ad that you're running on TV, if you have a 30-second TV spot and a 30-second spot on Facebook, that is not the same ad. That It's not the same audience. It's not like the same ask. You know, the thing that I love about TV spots is that people can't skip them. And so, so much, you know, yeah. I'm a young guy. I Ever since I've been in this business, you could skip ads. And it just changes the way that you think about them. It's like... I have three seconds to five seconds to like hook you on something to keep you here to finish this ad, which, you know, it's like, it's like a fun challenge, but it's creatively stifling because it's like, you can't have like a long setup and then a reveal because they're gone if you didn't hook them in three seconds. And so that's yeah. the, that's the thing I just love about TV is it's like you, it has to be interesting. You have to, you know, we've all watched TV. You're like in the kitchen, like making toast while like waiting for the football game to come back on or whatever. And so you do need to you need do need to be interesting. You do need to hook people, but you don't have to do it in the same way. Like there's not like an accelerated timeline to it, which I really appreciate. You, do you think uh, in a TV ad you don't need uh, as strong hooks and you can tell a story better than on social? Um, I wouldn't say you can tell a story better. I would say you don't need the hooks to be as strong. It's mm -hmm. just different. It's not better or worse. It's just different. And I do think at least in the TV stuff that we're creating, there's not the expectation that you're like begging for the sale in the same way that you do online. Because, you know, online, you're going to run it on whatever. You're going to run it on Instagram and you're going to see I spent $30,000 and I made $20,000 in sales and I'm out. And on TV, yeah. often the goal is a little different. Some of our clients, you know, they're on TV for direct ROI. But some of them, and really some, a lot of our clients, it, it will vary spot to spot. They'll say, this spot we're running to make our phones ring. And this spot we're running to just aid with brand awareness. So that when our next spot rolls to make the phone ring, they ring more because people saw that other spot and like us for it. And so there is a degree to which it's like, I find like online advertising, people are less interested in creating spots that are just for branding sake because mm -hmm. there's this just like culture of ROI online, which is good as a, you know, as a, I'm a, I feel like I'm really a filmmaker first, but a marketer close second. And I appreciate that side, but you know, I do love it when people are like, Hey, this spot, we're not trying to make the phone ring. We're just trying to get our name out there a little bit and, and do a little bit of like positive brand association because then you can have a lot of fun. So also uh, social media is better for direct response style or, or performance driven uh, videos mm -hmm. while uh, TV is more about branding. 
and traditional media. You know, you're not, you can't click on it. You're watching <laughs> yeah. TV and you're like, oh, I want that. What, what am I going to go grab my computer? I mean, I guess it's on your phone, but like you're already like watching TikTok on your phone while you're watching TV. Like you're not going to stop and look up that ad while yeah. if you're scrolling, you know, and you see something you like, you click it and you can buy it in like 10 seconds. You know, it's just, it, the funnel is just so different there. What is this flywheel approach that you mentioned earlier? So that is, is um, how we refer to just this idea that every medium should be respected and you should put the content on there that belongs on there. People don't like ads. It's just like a hard truth that I think advertisers need to swallow. It's like most people, and especially now, it's like, you know, everything is an ad everything you know the movie and the book ready player one where it's like if the bad guys win like they're just gonna make the whole thing like a giant ad space it's like that is sort of the world that we live in you know my dad works in it and he always said i thought this was really wise he always said if the product is free then you are the product i know this one yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, and i'm like it just <laughs> makes me think about everything different and i'm like i yeah. am the product when i'm on facebook when i'm on tiktok when i'm on yeah. instagram i am the product and it's like those places are they are masquerading as ways to connect, but they're really algorithms designed to sell you things as efficiently as possible. Like yeah, that's yeah. really the core business. And so people are being bombarded with ads constantly. And so what we don't want to do is just bombard people with ads more. Another way we refer to it as, as we create film-centered marketing campaigns. And so we usually start with the TV spot, whatever we determine is like the anchor film of the piece. It's usually like a 60 second piece. You know, sometimes it's a two minute piece that is going to live on a company's website. Sometimes it's a 30 that's going to run on TV, but whatever that anchor is, that's what we start with. And then from there, we create what we call like flywheel content. And where that comes from, I don't know. We've been saying it for so long. I don't, I don't remember. But so the idea is that if you're on Instagram, if you're on TV and you watch an ad that we created, it's going to feel like it belongs on TV. But if you're scrolling Instagram and you encounter that same ad, it's going to feel native to Instagram. It's going to feel like it belongs on Instagram. And so we're going to approach that content the way that Instagram content creators are approaching content. And that's not just like, oh, it was 16 by nine and now it's nine by 16. So it like fits yeah, in the yeah. story, but it's the same creative. It's like, no, what are you, what are, what is the viewer on Instagram expecting to come across? And then how can we talk to them in that way? Maybe it's less formally, maybe it's more direct. In a lot of these ads, you know, it's like whatever we anticipate this brand audience is going to want to see, then we create an ad that way. And then it feels, you know, it feels less intrusive. We've all been like on TikTok and you come across an ad and you're like, what is this doing here? Like, this does not feel like it belongs. And that's what we're always trying to avoid. Like, we want to make sure that jumping off the page at the viewer of like, now I've been smacked like with an ad that's coming from outer space. Like we want to feel it, it to feel like it belongs where it is. Yeah. And also when you watch the TV, then there are, there are uh, ad blocks. So, you know, the, let's say you watch a football match and in the break, you will see ads and you know that these are ads, you know, that you have a few minutes for ads, you go out to the kitchen, you watch it, whatever. But mm -hmm. when you scroll on your phone, those are called native ads. And yep. the reason, because uh, many times you don't even realize it's an advertising. You can see that it's sponsored or whatever. Yep. But if you are not familiar with 
you know, the technical things, I think most people, they don't know that it's an ad. Yeah. I, I talk to my parents and many times they send me something and actually that's an ad and they don't even realize it. I think especially yeah. older people, when they could see a messenger chatbot for the first time, they didn't even re realize it's an automation. Yeah, I was on TikTok just yesterday and I scrolled across this TikTok and what was it? It was some company, but it was a person who was like, oh, you know what it was? It was planter, planters peanuts. And the dude was like, oh my gosh, this controversy is blowing up the web. Do you eat your mixed nuts one at a time or do you eat a handful of them? And he's like going on and on. Like there's this like big like, is the dress yellow or is it blue controversy that's happening? And I'm like, why do I not believe you right now? And I look, I'm like, oh, this is sponsored. They're trying to create some controversy so that people are arguing about mixed nuts so they'll go buy them. And that's the thing that I'm like, you know, somebody – far smarter than me came up with that campaign. And I think it's brilliant. But I also like don't necessarily love the idea that we're trying to manufacture something that appears real. And yeah. so what I feel like the distinction with Lamp House is we're not trying to create ads that don't look like ads that are tricking you into thinking that this is like organic content, but rather ads that feel like ads. They're not pretending like they're not trying to sell you something. They just feel like they belong where they are. Does that does that make sense? Yeah, 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 yeah. So people, they still know, or this is your goal, that people should still know it's an ad, but still you mm -hmm. want to make it native and, and part yeah. of the platform, let's say. It's more polished than an ad. Like there are a lot of ways in which it like yeah. doesn't, you know, doesn't read like it's organic, but it just, you know, it just feels like it, it actually belongs there. If you know uh, Frank Kern, I uh, follow him on uh, Instagram and he targeted me with his ads. And I think he's he's the king of this because okay. I'm not his, one of his one of his uh, ads he he tells you that hey this is an ad this is made for people who want to sell online <laughs> and then he just he, he starts the whole thing with this and you know it's an ad but he, he I just respect well. that. Yeah, there's yeah, something yeah. that's really bold about like, you know, oh, you know, I was I was um talking to somebody on my show, uh, Marketing Conversations, which is mm -hmm. another marketing podcast that y'all should go check out. And they were saying that there are this one person who is who does sales calls and they just, you know, people were just hanging up on them all the time because, you know, I don't know if you've ever done cold calling. It's not fun. Yeah, I'm almost <laughs> everybody hangs up. And so they yeah. switched it up and they started their opening line. They made, hey, I'm going to try to sell you something. I think you're going to like it. You can hang up now or you can give me two minutes. And then everybody just like chuckled. They're like, you know what? Go ahead. And it's like there's something about just being, I think, generationally, our generation, like millennials, Gen Z, they are over people trying to pretend that they're something that they're not. They're over it. And I think that comes through a lot of ways. But I also think it comes through in the way that we need to advertise to these people. It's, it's like just be what you are. Just be an ad. Try to sell them something. If they want it, they'll buy it. And if they don't, they won't. And that, and, and that doesn't mean don't be clever. Like you can do that in a really clever way. Like this guy on those sales calls. Like it's brilliant. It's really, it's very clever. Um, and yeah, I'm sure now a thousand people will do it and it'll become really annoying really fast. But yeah, just sort of owning what you are and what you're doing, I think goes a really long way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And being authentic about yeah, it, especially 100%. in sales, just go for the sale. It's fine. You don't have to be apologetic or anything. Let's talk about script writing because uh, I think it's a huge part of creating great videos. Uh, earlier, you mentioned the storytelling. 
and uh, I used to be a copywriter. I, I've never written, uh, you know, stories for videos or anything like that. Um, but I still know um, that it's a huge part of creating great videos and stories in videos. So what's your approach when it comes to script writing? You know, it's different. I think I, we touched on one thing, which is like understanding your audience and understanding where it goes. But then, you know, just understanding the voice of the company that we're writing for and trying to create something that feels like authentic to them. And then the other thing that we're always trying to do to the best of our ability is like, what's something that you haven't seen before or that you haven't seen like a thousand times? And that's, you know, with as many ads as there are, like, that's another thing that is really tricky to try to like be aware of is like not trying to be super trendy, but just like do something different with it. Try to create something that and and to find that thing that's that's unique, really dig into who is this company and what do they do and what is so so unique to them that the film won't be a film that you feel like you've seen a thousand times and what is the point where you or when you need a scriptwriter or and or when you don't need it because it's just not necessary we pull a scriptwriter on everything mm. so usually we'll do that you know honestly we do it really really early in the process when a company calls us and they're like hey we are experiencing such and such problem our credit card sales are down or whatever, or maybe even just like, hey, we have this idea. We want customers or potential customers to know this about us. When we're very, very early in that pitch phase, we will pull a screenwriter in like right away, even while we're developing the pitch. And so those pitches are developed by the director and the screenwriter simultaneously so that, mm -hmm. you know, anything that is you know, so that we're so that we can get really, really specific before we even pitch the film to people, because we want to make sure that what we're pitching is is representative. But then, you know, even if we're gonna, we're just working right now on just some copy that's going to be on screen. It's just like three words, and it's like, nah, we should call the writer to make sure that this is like a hundred percent polished. Even though it's like, you know, it's not that big a deal, but it's like, you know, every everything is that big a deal. Like, I think the difference between like good film and great film is just like ten percent more polish on every little element and so yeah we yeah. um we keep our writer real close i'm sure he gets sick of hearing from us yeah, yeah. that's really important i i also think the same i wanted to ask you if uh it it happened to you that you rejected the project because the you know the potential client they they believe that video will change everything or maybe they think about video as some kind of you know magic magical thing what are the most common misconceptions about video marketing? I think that for us, when we feel like we're not going to be a great fit is when they think that it's where it's clear that the client is just trying to, oh, I just want to go capture some videos and then you can send me them and then maybe we'll like cut them into something later. And there are yeah. some, there are some companies who I think do this, do this relatively well, but for us, we, um, we need to know what we're making before we can start. And I think a lot of people are like, you know, you know who does this a lot? Like, um, like universities do this a lot where okay. they are like, um, we, we want you to come here and we want you to film for 10 days. And then we want all that footage. And then we want you to like cut something out of it. And I'm like, but if I don't know your goals, if I don't know what the end deliverable is, like, how am I going to know where to point the camera? And I think that's the thing that we we hear, you know, a decent amount that, but we don't say no to stuff like that. Really what we do is we'll, we get on the phone with them and we just talk it through and be like, okay, so what is it that you really want? Okay. Why is it that you want that? 
Okay, but and then what is that doing for you? Until we get all the way down to like the core like need that they have. And then we'll just pitch a film that fits that core need. And we'll be like, hey, this is the lamp house version of this. This is what we feel like we can do for you. If this isn't what you want, that's great. There, I'm sure that there's somebody who can like do this other thing for you. But it's just not, we just don't know how to, and that's what I'm, I'm saying. Like every filmmaker is different. And some people just know how to do that. Like go out and just shoot a ton of coverage. I have friends who are great at it, but it's just not really how Lamphouse makes films. And and honestly, we don't, I don't think we necessarily know how to make films that way. It's just like the way we approach it is, is too like born from what the final thing is going to be to, to be grabbing coverage that we're not planning on using. And so very, very rarely do we have much footage sitting on the cutting room floor. You know, it always happens. You know, you cut some scenes out or whatnot. But usually, uh, even sometimes people at the end will be like, hey, can you send us the rest of the B-roll so we can use it? We're like, there is no rest. This is everything we shot. And that is usually, you know, that's, I think, the biggest red flag for us where it's like, I don't think the client and and Lamp House think about this the same way. And that is always, you know, either yeah. re-educating this is how we do it or like, we're just not going to be a good fit here. Being on the same page and I think being on, you know, sharing the same values, it's, critical so important because if you don't get that straight what happens and this happens every once in a while and not so much lately because i think we've really learned but it's like you get halfway through a project and you're like i don't think you know what we're making right now you get like indications from questions that they're asking that it's like i don't think you really really understand Mm -hmm. what we're doing and that is always a scary moment because it's like are you going to like the thing that we're creating and so getting everybody on the same page up front to make sure that they know exactly what we're doing exactly what our approach is and then if they're not into it they're not into it and that's fine there's other people who can make what they want who will be a better fit for them but being clear about what you do i think you know saves you a lot of headaches in the long run josh if anyone wants to find you and your company uh where they can find you yeah so um lamp house films is the company you can find us on instagram or online marketing conversations is our podcast so you can find that on tiktok or on you know wherever you listen to podcasts but yeah those are the best places lamphousefilms.com we um you know we love hearing from people who want to work on projects and we also love hearing from young filmmakers or old filmmakers who are looking to get connected because like i said at the beginning we're only as good as the community of filmmakers who are around us listeners don't hesitate to reach out if you're a filmmaker and want to chat thank you josh and thanks everyone who listened to us today if you like this podcast then uh leave a review either on apple podcast or spotify and yeah thanks everyone stay tuned every week we are coming out with a new podcast episode it's good to chat thanks for having me